Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. Hear now the word of the Lord. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your field will not cast their fruit, says the Lord God Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Our second scripture reading this morning uh, comes from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. Hear now the words of the Lord. Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he said. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. So I promise that this morning we're not going to be talking about the importance of paying your taxes. Instead, we're going to be talking about something that's a lot more meaningful and something that really strikes at the heart of what this whole past month, as we've been looking at gifts from God, has been about. Because we've been talking about the fact that stewardship and being good stewards of the gifts that God has given us is about so much more than just our finances. But rather, everything that we have is a gift from God, and therefore, for us to be good stewards of the gifts that we've been given, we have to be good stewards, we have to be good caretakers of our whole lives. We have to use everything in service of the kingdom. So there's this traditional sort of psychological experiment that's been done many times throughout the years. It's called the marshmallow test. And it's a simple test. It involves marshmallows and children. And what they do is they take a child and they put him in a room and they give him a marshmallow. And they say, if you can wait 10 minutes without eating this marshmallow, then we will give you a second marshmallow. And children struggle so much with doing this. It's so hard for them to not eat that marshmallow before the 10 minutes are up. And I understand, marshmallows are good, we like sweets, especially as children, it's hard not to just dive in when you have that kind of opportunity. But really what this experiment was about was about showing the fact that delayed gratification is really, really hard. 
It wasn't actually about the marshmallows, as it turns out, because if it was actually about the marshmallows, then the children would have no trouble waiting because two marshmallows are better than one marshmallow. You get to eat more if you wait just 10 minutes, and so it makes sense that you would wait that time if it was about marshmallows. But actually, what this betrays about human nature, and we see it in children and we see it in ourselves too, is that when it involves giving up something that's in front of us right now, we are terrible at delaying gratification and at seeing the big picture. It's harder to believe that a second marshmallow is coming in 10 minutes than it is to believe that I would enjoy this one that I have right now. This isn't just true for children, this is true for us as well. Maybe not with marshmallows, but think about the things that you have in your life, the resources and opportunities. Think about how hard it is to plan for the future when it involves delaying gratification. It's hard for us to see the big picture when it involves giving up something that we have right now. And so this brings us to our scripture this morning. As the Pharisees once again try to trap Jesus with their words. See, for 12 chapters now, the Pharisees have been trying to trick Jesus into saying something that will make him lose his credibility or that will get him in trouble with the temple, with the religious courts. And yet, so far, he's been able to get around all of their tricks and all of their little linguistic traps. And so this time, the Pharisees brought friends. They brought the Herodians, who were employees of Rome. These were soldiers who worked for Herod and were there to enforce the rules, one of which was tax collection. And so they came together because the Pharisees figured that they were being clever. They thought either Jesus will say, no, you shouldn't pay the tax, which is what the Pharisees thought, and that would get him in trouble with the tax collectors, or he would say, yes, you should pay your tax, which is what the tax collectors wanted to hear, but would make him lose the credibility that he had with all of the other uh, people of the kingdom of Israel who were looking for someone to lead them out of imperial rule. And so they came together because they figured one of us will be able to catch him this time. The Pharisees wanted him to blaspheme and to say that Caesar was higher than the people of God. And the Herodians wanted him to rebel and say that God was over Caesar, which would have been a high crime in the day because Caesar, as everybody knew, was the king. It was designed to be a lose-lose situation for Jesus. And yet, as he so often did, Jesus managed to find the perfect answer in a situation that shouldn't have had a good answer at all. And so what did he reply when asked this question? He said, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give back to God what is God's. The first part of that appeased the tax collectors. It, 
It satisfied the soldiers who wanted him to say that, yes, this belongs to Caesar. But that second part, that second part is what caught the Pharisees. Because after all, as they would have known and as we ourselves know now, what doesn't belong to God? Every single thing that we have, every part of our life, every blessing that we've received, all of it is a gift from the God who made the heavens and earth. Because if it wasn't for God, then there would be nothing for us to have at all. If it wasn't for God, there would be no us. There would just be nothing. Thinking about this makes me remember the first time that I went back home after moving out of my parents' house. Now, I'd been living away for several years at that point. I'd gone to college, and uh, it, it had been probably four years since I'd lived full-time at my parents' house. But I'd gone back during the summers to work and uh, go to summer school and just enjoy time with my family. So I'd not quite fully moved out. But after me and Kelsey both graduated and got married, then it was time for me to actually pack up my things and get them out of my old room. And I'll never forget the first time I got back home after moving out like that, I went into my room and I looked around and even though I had prepared myself, I knew that this was, this was the right thing to do. It was time to, it was time to leave the nest. I got back home and I went into my room and I looked around and all I could think was, how dare you? What have you done to my space? I looked around and there were boxes of crafting supplies everywhere. There were books that weren't mine. There was a cricket die-cutting machine that my mom had started using and a sewing machine where my bed used to be and they had painted the walls. And I was offended because this was my room. How could they do this to me? But as you get older, as you, as you look back on this, one of the things that comes to mind, one of the things you start to really understand is that this was never actually my room because this isn't my house. This is my parents' house. I'm just living in it. None of this that I had, none of the space or the bed or even the paint on the walls would have been possible if not for my parents. And in the same way that your bedroom in your parents' house was never really your bedroom. This isn't really our world. This is God's world, and we're just living in it. When you look at this scripture, Jesus is acknowledging something that is unavoidable. And that's that, yes, you should pay your taxes, you have to work within the civic structures that exist because we live in a society and a culture that exists under a certain kind of governance. And yet, if there's one thing that we can remember on Christ the King Sunday, it's that when all of this passes away, the true kingdom, with its true king, will be what remains. The kingdom that is without end, and that's the kingdom of God, in which the truth of the statement, Jesus is Lord, is abundantly clear. Caesar has a claim on your money, whether you like it or not, and most of us don't. 
But God has a claim on your life. Jesus took the coin and said, whose image is on this? Whose inscription is on this coin? And they said, Caesar's. But friends, we bear the image of God, as Genesis tells us. It's his breath that's in our lungs and gives us life. The Psalms tell us that his words are inscribed on our hearts. Is there anything that God didn't make? Is there anything that God isn't Lord over? Is there anything that doesn't belong to God? Of course not, because God made everything out of nothing and then gave it meaning and purpose and a reason to exist. Here's the difference between the two. Caesar tells us to give under threat of punishment, but God God tells us to give with the promise of joy. In our first scripture this morning, Israel is promised abundance, not only that their own storehouses would be full, but that it would be apparent to everyone around them that God was powerful and good, that God was a God of blessings and abundance, because God blesses us so that we can bless others. See, the joy of Israel at its highest was something that spilled out into all of the kingdoms around them. How much more true is that for us in our own lives, that the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, at its highest spills out. It shines the light of Christ into the lives of every single person that we meet and come across If you'll remember all the way back to the beginning of the people of Israel, to God and his promise to Abraham, he said, Abraham, if you will trust me with your future, then I won't just bless you with a child. I won't just bless you with many children, but your descendants will outnumber the stars And he doesn't stop there. He says, and they will be a blessing to all the nations. When we trust God with the future, God uses us to bring blessings into the world. I don't know if you all have ever heard of a man named Chuck Feeney, but he's an interesting case study in what generosity can look like. This is a man who, back in the 60s and 70s, made his fortune on uh, duty-free sales. An exciting business, to be sure. But this guy saw an opportunity to make some money, to get into the world of business, and he did. And he was hugely successful. But he wasn't satisfied by that. And so he decided that the thing to do would be to create a foundation and put everything that he had into it. He kept enough to live, he kept enough to live comfortably and to keep his business going. But anything beyond that went straight into this foundation that was meant to build up education systems around the world, that was meant to help people to live full lives and to know health and happiness. And this guy, Chuck 
Feeney is his name. You've maybe never heard of him, or maybe you have. If it was up to him, you never would. But he made and then gave away more than $8 billion during the course of his life. And he's still going. He's still alive and giving. Because, see, what he recognized was that the American dream is to work hard and make it big. And then it's possible, if you understand the ways of business and if you're blessed with a little bit of opportunity, to make it big. But that's not enough because for him, he saw that you had to give back. The American dream is to work hard and make it big, but the Christian ideal is to use the fruits of your labor to make the biggest impact possible for the kingdom. So work hard and live in a holy and dutiful way, but don't stop there because that's not fulfilling. Because that's missing what God has made possible for us. Because then we need to take that and be generous, no matter how much or little we have. If we're generous with it, then what we can see is that we wouldn't have anything. That we couldn't be successful, we couldn't work hard, and we certainly couldn't live in a holy or dutiful way if it wasn't for God making it possible. Because here's the thing, we can talk all day about duty and about holiness, about the things that we should do and the things that we need to do, but what we have to realize is that the gospel isn't actually about what you can do. In fact, the gospel, while it has implications for us and how we live our lives, at the end of the day, it's not about you or me at all, but rather it's about God and what God has done and is doing and will continue to do because God is at work. For us to see that, for us to read scripture and see that it starts with God making the heavens and earth and it ends with God bringing all of creation back to perfection with him, and everything in between is about God working in the world. When we realize that, we can experience joy. The joy of living a life that's led by the Spirit and motivated by the God who made each and every one of us with love. It brings us closer to Him. It brings us closer to each other. And it unites us in His Spirit and service to the world. Because as we see with Abraham, and as we see with the people of Israel, if we are willing to trust God, then his promise is that he will multiply and use the things that we offer in amazing ways. Like I've said, not just your money. If you offer your time, then God will use you to inspire others to offer theirs. Offer your talents and God will use them to meet the needs of the people around you. Offer your testimony and God will use your words to change lives. And offer your tithe and God will use it to reach farther than you could ever imagine. The perfect 
way for us to close this morning is by remembering a story from the life of Jesus. You know, Jesus, for all of the times that he talked to the masses, was constantly trying to get away from them just for a few minutes. He was experiencing the burden of being a celebrity in a lot of ways because people always followed him wherever he went. So if you read the Gospels, what you see is Jesus tried to retreat to the mountain and the people followed him there. And he tried to retreat out on a boat to the other side of a lake and people followed him there too. So he just couldn't get away from them. And so in this one instance, Jesus had fled across the water and found himself surrounded by thousands of people. And as though that's not a bad enough situation in and of itself, not being able to find that rest and solitude, these people were starting to get hungry. If you want a recipe for a riot, that's how you start. And yet in the midst of all of this hunger, where there was no food, a little boy brought Jesus his lunch, just two fish and five small loaves of bread, And Jesus used that lunch to feed the thousands of people that were there and then had leftovers afterwards. So as we continue on, not just in this time of worship and not just throughout this week, but throughout the entirety of this coming year, the season of Advent and the year that's coming up soon, I want to invite you to join with me in remembering that everything that we have, every part of our lives, is a gift from God. And then to join with me in trusting Him with the first fruits of our work, and then watching to see just how much He'll do with it. Because if there's one thing that I've seen since being here, it's that God is at work. And I don't know about you, but what I know for me is that I desperately want to be a part of it. But thanks be to God who makes that possible. Amen.